It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. Uh, it is Sunday, June 6th. Hey, it's Sunday, June 6th, Cam Neely's birthday. So happy birthday to the president and whatever he is of the, uh, of the Boston Bruins. And uh, I'm here with Tim. No, that's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm here with Jeff. Hey, hey, hey. And Nick. I thought it was Cam Newton's birthday today. Oh, oh <laughs> I, I can't say Cam with an, you know, a name that starts with an N without going Cam Newton. And I'm like, ah, uh, Cam Neely. Cam Neely. Okay. And I was thinking about Tim because it is hot here in New England and it's, uh, and, and poor Tim did not get a lot of sleep. So we we told Tim to go take care of himself, you know, cool down, relax. This is not the kind of day that, you know, you should overexert yourself because it is yucky here. So Tim was on my mind. I'm thinking about you, Tim. We're thinking about you. We'll, we'll uh, see you next week for sure. So anyway, I am not in the best of moods today, guys. I, you know, before... We started officially recording. I was okay. You know, I'm, I just want to take a moment to relish in this one thing. It's officially spring, guys, because the leaves are out. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever the leaves fall... That's when you know it's spring. Oh my god! Oh my god! I, you know, if you looked at what everybody at Sportsnet predicted about this, all of their TV personalities, their writers, all of those like things, they all predicted Leafs in four, Leafs in five, maybe Leafs in six, and all of them were wrong. All of them were wrong. Now, the Leafs should have had this under control because Montreal barely, I mean, the only reason why Montre- Montreal made it um, to into that, that last playoff position is because everybody else behind them was just that bad. It was just, Montreal and Calgary, they were just like, LOL, nope, we don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, we, we choose not to participate. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, it's so funny. So it's like, so it's not even just that the Leafs have a Bruins problem. Leafs last year had a Columbus Blue Jackets problem because they couldn't even play in. They could not even get into the, the playoff tourney last year. They lost Five years the ago, they had a they had a Washington Capitals problem. This was their fifth, if you count last year as a first round exit, which for all intents and purposes, we will. That's five consecutive first round exits. Like, Think about how ap- apathetic ownership must actually be that no one got fucking fired on Tuesday morning. Any other team would have fired would have fired the coach and probably the GM and possibly even the president. I don't understand it. Like, like that is the definition of disengaged um, uh, um, ownership, and Leafs fans should be terrified about that more than anything else about what happened in the last week. Oh my god, I, it's. Uh... They haven't won a first round since the year before, the, since the o four o five lockout. Oh so my spring god! Spring two thousand four is the last time they won a series. It, it's unbelievable. 
And, and, and it's like, you know, everybody just thought like, okay, the, the Habs are going to roll over and die and, and the Leafs will have this. And the Leafs choked. They were up three to one. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? And then, and, and, and blew, and blew the lead late in the game in, uh, in game five. Right. You know, and they were ready to close out. They fucked that up. And then they just didn't even show up for game seven. Yeah, and then game six and seven were just were just calamitous. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, okay. So I think game six was Saturday night when I was at the Bruins game. So it was like, we're watching that score. And it was 0-0 for a very long time. And then the Habs, it's like, oh my God. The Habs are going to win this game. Um, oh my then, God. But then the Leafs were just utterly lifeless in game seven. Just, just nothing. They ended up getting a goal after they allowed an empty netter, which was weird. Yeah, yeah it was, so like, it was good job, guys. You didn't get shut out of Game 7. That's like, oh, Boston against, against St. Louis. Like, hey, we didn't get shut out. A lot of fucking good that did us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is... Um, uh, they just don't know how to play in the playoffs. Again, like, there's, there's something fundamentally wrong with how they built that team. Yes! Yes. And like the fact that they're also not going to trade anyone or at least, I mean, they're not going to announce at a press conference. We're going to trade someone, but like, like the right thing for them to do is to move Marner. Like I would, you know, get Jarmo on the phone and be like, I don't know. I guess Jarmo has to trade Dubois now offer a Marner in exchange for Dubois. And like, I don't know, either line A's rights or Atkinson or something that would, they, they get a defenseman and a winger who performs about not too dissimilar from Marner. Wait, he <laughs> did trade Dubois. No, not too bad. Fuck Jones. Oh, Jones. Okay, yeah, okay. I, the I was other just... disgruntled guy from Columbus. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like seriously, that seems like the the, the obvious one. If you're if you're if you if you're um uh, if you're Toronto, it's like they need actual players, and you can if you can if you could yank Atkinson out. That's a right wing who to produces at a similar rate, bit less than Marner, but like also for only four and a half million. <laughs> So you're basically doing cap for cap, but they fill two roster holes. That seems like a win-win kind of trade. It really okay. does. But don't, <laughs> don't do that to Seth Jones. He's a good boy. <laughs> I mean, no, he's demanding out of... <laughs> he, he, what do you mean? He's informed already that he's not informing his team. I'm going to file that one under not a good boy. Yes, there's clearly something wrong with Columbus. Like, that's unfucking ambiguous at this point. There's something fundamentally wrong with how they're doing business there if no one fucking wants to stay. But, like, and I suppose I should respect him telling them this early that he's not going to resign. <laughs> this is this is the hierarchy of how I, I think it is, okay? So it's like if a player comes out and says something like Ryan O'Reilly did, where it's like, this place uh, is so bad that it's making it, I don't want to play hockey anymore. When you say that to the press, I think that's bad. You may feel that. And you may say that privately. I mean, I think we have enough evidence to say that Ryan O'Reilly didn't didn't fucking feel that. <laughs> well, no, because he went to St. Louis, which well, because he didn't look like he was dying inside when he said it too. It's not like that closing out close out press conferences with Eichel or right or Reinhardt. They're dead inside now. Okay, right, all right. <laughs> Those okay. men need to hear, need years of therapy to get over this whole Buffalo thing. <laughs> right, right. So, so, so that is at the top of my thing, where it's like I think that's players behaving badly. Okay. Um, you may privately go and tell management whatever, okay? 
Um, but, you know, the, the next step down is the John Tavares. The I want to be Bring here. Along. Yeah. I definitely plan to be back. You know, we're just we you know, we're going to just stop talking about the contract right now. Uh, but it's going to be the first thing that I focus on as soon as the playoffs are done. You know, that kind of bullshit. OK, so that's two. That's a, a player behaving badly. And then three, you have the people who say, look, you know what? I've I've been here. I've done my my time. I've done. I've been a good soldier, but I don't want to resign here. OK, that's fine. OK, he's not saying trade me now. I mean, I mean, is... that's true. But it's it's given them choices like. From all accounts, Panarin and Bobrovsky did the. You know, were very upfront about that as well, and they made the conscious choice to go into the season with them, which was not the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out, but they did. They did manage to sweep Tampa. <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean there was some success there, but you know, I, I think in the hierarchy of things, like a guy saying, "I'm not going to resign here," yeah, it's a bad look. Okay, in, in this hierarchy, but... where would you put Dubois then? He oh, just like, you sitting know, out? He didn't go publicly and say, I want out. He just stopped trying. Like, I think that might actually be worse than the O'Reilly thing. <laughs> yeah, it, we might have a 1A, 1B situation, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll put that, I'll put a, put that up there. 1A and 1B. 1A is, say, is not even trying and just being, like, passive aggressive and, and all that bullshit. And then uh, B, 1B is the Ryan O'Reilly just coming out and telling the press how he feels at that time even if it's not really how he did it to force a trade mm-hmm. basically um I, I feel like if you're a player forcing a trade that's that's not a good look uh the P- patrick Roth thing i mean he uh he got strung along uh in that one game and i think he I had mean, every clearly right there feel. was already tension and then just like and then Trombley just completely fucked him over <laughs> yeah and so so for part of part of me is like wow that that is a real different situation. I I can understand that uh, raw emotion. You know, I I think it's still a player p- behaving badly. I don't know where to put that on the list necessarily. So, well, it's sort of like a, a Lindros situation is a hard one to put into place in there too. It's like, dude, you know, you know the rules of the game. It's the draft. This is how this fucking works. Just roll with it. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Was he like drafted by somebody he didn't want to go there? He announced prior to the draft that if he was drafted by the Nords, he would not sign. Yes. They drafted him anyway, which, like, considering, like, you're not going to not draft a guy that's expected to be the next big thing. And he was, right? He was supposed to be the next one. It didn't work out because of injuries, but. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Like I said, uh, okay, yeah, th- that was pointed out this week in the chat. And I, I'm like, oh, I call that the Elway. like you know looking back on that john elway had many concerns about baltimore and i i understand that but the the eli manning one probably is the more glaring exception uh because eli manning's father in archie got involved and was just like my son's not playing for the san diego Chargers, and they they facilitated the trade to the the giants the giants who trade uh who drafted uh, Philip Rivers, so they swap the picks basically. Well, that's just it. That's like the Nords thing. I don't understand. Like they knew that in advance. I under, under I get that they like thoughts like, hey, maybe we'll be able to get him to change his mind, or he doesn't mean it. 
he meant it. And would they have gotten the same if they did, the same value out if they just traded the pick before the draft, knowing he wasn't going to or not? It's, hmm. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel bad for Connor McDavid in in the respect of like he got drafted by a team that has just done just done so shitty at putting a team around him. You know, it doesn't help that his salary is so great, you know, that uh, it's hard to work some things around and they, they had some bad contracts that they have to work their way through. I get it. But if Connor McDavid stays with the Oilers and continues to be like the only functional part of that team, it will be a waste and I will feel bad about that. But I also don't feel so bad because he's making so much money too. And he had every ability to not, you know, to, to not only not make all that money, I guess, with them, but to, to get out of there somehow. He could have done that. I, it would have been a bad look, obviously, but. I mean, but I don't think anyone would have blamed him either. It's the fucking Oilers. <laughs> it's like at this point, asking out of, but Buffalo is expected, not looked, not looked down on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Jack Eichel is in a far worse spot. He really is than than Connor McDavid. I think the worst thing about that actually is that Buffalo tanked so hard for McDavid and clearly didn't have. Oh, well, they also did the same for Ekblad and clearly didn't actually have a plan if they didn't win those lotteries. Mm-hmm. Betting to win on the lottery, pun intended, is not a good idea. Here's the thing: is those two lotteries were like decent ones in terms of like odds right the Ekblad lottery was the old odds where only one team moved up and with the cap of four spots the mcdavid one was the first change but it wasn't the all three spots up for grabs it was every team that missed had odds waited for the first round pick and then it went to the team the team that was fourth so even under the old rules oilers would have got mcdavid <laughs> And then the next year's when they did all three picks were up for grabs. Yeah. Where is Buffalo drafting in this? Uh... They won the lottery, so they're uh, drafting first oh, in a year that right. like there is not a consensus first, which is just like that's what ha- it's like. That's a shitty deal. That's sort of like winning the lottery in well 2014, which had a pretty soft top of the draft. Was that Yakupov? Um, no, no, that's that's 12. Oh. 2014 was. Ekblad, Reinhardt, oh. Dreisaitl, Bennett is the top four. I forgot all about the lo- the lottery was this week. A lot of stuff happened this week, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes, the lottery. I Okay, so Buffalo, that's right, because I put out a tweet that basically was like, maybe if you can't show or demonstrate in any way that you can put a team together, maybe you shouldn't keep getting the top slot. Maybe you should not even be in this league. <laughs> Fun trivia question. Yes. Okay. Who was drafted number two overall in 1991? Uh. Okay. Wait a minute. It's it's the uh, the Lind the Lindros year, the the same same draft. Oh, I have no idea then. Yeah, I don't know. Berg Bergthal. Close. Pat Falloon. Oof. <laughs> you may be asking, who's that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were bigger busts out there, but. Yeah. Because no one went number three overall that year. Some guy named Scott Niedemeyer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Which that pick has a whole story behind it, too, because um, the Leafs traded it for like yep. a, a face puncher. <laughs> uh huh. And then just completely disintegrated. 
and could have gotten Niedermeyer. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, face punchers, they were in vogue back then, right? So... <laughs> I was going to say, like, 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 well, down, down, down goes Brown d- defends that that trade to a certain extent for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Is at the time and in the division they were in, yes, you needed guys that could punch faces and punch them well. <laughs> punch that face, like, you know. Their division had you know guys like freaking Bob Probert and Joey Kokur and and yeah. stuff, right? So, <laughs> I just Pat Falloon is a name who never he's never escaped my memory. Because I bought a pack of like OPT or Tops, like 91 uh, hockey cards, which are worthless, by the way. That's when like they started to mass produce hockey cards. So like an Eric Lindros rookie card, everyone knew he was going to be good. They're worthless because everyone just was making them nonstop. But hmm. I had a, like a bunch of Pat Falloon, the second overall. I'm like, ah, history. It, this did not work out for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's up there with, you know, Ottawa's first couple uh, <laughs> parade of early picks in which, among other things, they took Chris fucking Phillips first overall one year. Yep. Radic Bonk third, I believed as well. What a great <laughs> name. Radic Bonk had one of the best molds of all time. Um, uh, so that worked out. That is a great, great. Wait a minute. And of course, Alex Daigle and Alexi Yashin were their other high picks during that that, that stretch too. And Bripper and Brian Burrard, who wouldn't report, and they had to trade for um, Wade Redden. Okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's where Bonk's mullet comes from. I've yes. heard. Okay, all right, okay. Because because I'm sitting here, I made this connection, and then Jeff's like steamroll ahead. I'm like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> but of course, I think a lot of people be like, oh, Danny Heatley. The best. And he uh, was like a sixth round pick. No, Healy was later, rather. Yeah. Sorry, I, I was thinking Alfredson oh, when you said Healy. Yeah. yeah. But we're just talking about great senators. A lot of people like Denny Healy, Alfredson, one of the best all, all-time senators. Nay, nay, Ron Tugnut. Best senator of all time. I mean, that's an all-time hockey name is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, and if I recall, it, rather famously, one of those really, really long late 90s um, uh, playoff overtime games was between... Darren Poopa and Ron Tugnut. Correct. <laughs> and do you know how, uh, do you know why Ron Tugnut, do you know what injury ended his career? Please don't say it. You don't, don't have it be testicular torsion or something. Uh, close enough. He had a bad groin injury uh, in his late thirties and called it quits after that. <laughs> uh. yeah, I was going to say like his ball popped out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his nuts were tugged a bit too hard. Oh, I can only in a knot. Someone tried to tug out the knot and just made things worse. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine the terrible sex talk that would happen with him and anybody he had sex with. Ron, would you like me to tug these nuts? I bet you would really like me to tug that nut. <laughs> I feel like that's like probably the express lane to get him to just go completely limp. <laughs> like, nope, this dick's just for show now. Thanks. <laughs> and it's not even a good show anymore. <laughs> and listeners, just, just Google a picture of Ron Tugnut when he's with the Columbus Blue Jackets. You won't regret it. You won't regret it at all. They'll regret it, won't they? 
I mean, it, it's not gross. It really is a picture <laughs> of him. It's just like, this, this man played hockey? Yes, that man played hockey. Like in a Phil Kessel looks like he grows soybean sort of way? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I would say this guy just kind of looks like a mid-level manager at any office. Um, and you're like, oh, you're a, you're an athlete? Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's up there with, like, late career ally of Freddy, who looked like he sold, like, drugs behind a bowling alley. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he wore his glasses in a team portrait. Yeah. Look, I get it. You know, it's like if you see pictures of like um, uh, Brennan Carlo working out in the bubble, especially, right? He's got his glasses on. Charlie McVoy regularly wears his glasses when he's just working out, not practicing, but working out, you know. But this guy chose to wear them in his team portrait. You throw that in with the goatee and the I'm totally not balding. Look at my awesome hair haircut. It's just it's a great Great team. And he's so he's sufficiently doofy that the uh, seamless neck to jawline um, yes. transition yep. there kind of doesn't is made even worse. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, he's made more money than he looks all a lot of better us. now. Oh, Ron Tugna, you're looking good. Yeah, he looks good now. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, he, he went through a very awkward phase for a very yep. long time. <laughs> Getting rid of the goatee is, was was key for him. I think that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, goatees, uh, they can make your face look distinguished or they can make your face look like you're trying to hide that it, you've got a whole thumb thing going on. So, yep. you know what I mean? Uh, and if you just push your head back into your neck, it's going to look terrible. So that was a bad look for you, guy. You look better now. Okay. All right. So this has been a fun sojourn down memory lane and all that. And, and, and we had a good laugh about the leaves, but... We do have to talk about some other things. Uh, first of all, um, let's let's get some new stuff out of the way. Uh, let's get some happy news out of the way. And then we'll get into more depressing stuff as the episode goes on. <laughs> sure. Guess who has been nominated for the 10th time in a row for a Selkie trophy? Um, Yuri Lettinen. <laughs> That's a very interesting answer. But no. Ah, uh, Jeff Oh, and you know, honestly, I thought this might be the year that Brad gets the finalist nom over over Patrice. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you say his name again? Patrice Bergeron. Oh, I thought you said Patrice Bergeron, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I was so impressed, I snorted. <laughs> but I was impressed at what I said, not what you said. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Brad. Anyway, like um, honestly, like I did genuinely think that this would be the year that finally Brad would get the um, the high the high nom over over Berkey, but um, not the case. Um, if now the question is, this has become a recurring thing for us. I don't even remember how many years it's been since the last time he won. It's been a while though, right? Uh, I want to say, well, his wife Stephanie was pregnant when he last won. So I want to say it was like 2015, but I could be wrong. I'll look. Ah. 
Um, yeah, because that's how I know things now by when his wife was pregnant. <laughs> In any case, there's been a lot of reputation wins lately. It's time for Bergeron to get his reputation win, get his fifth win. Fuck this Bob Ganey. It's being tied with Bob Ganey bullshit. <laughs> I stand corrected. It was 2016, 2017. That's when she, she was pregnant for the second time. Bergeron's face-off numbers this year are, are incredible. Um, I think in writers often just kind of go for the, the easy stats. Um, and that's one they, they like to devour as a center. But when it's above 60%, uh, that's really good. It's like his career best this season, right? yeah. which is mm-hmm. like <laughs> saying something because it's Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. Which is why it was so surprising that last night, and we'll talk about this later, his numbers were really off. But he is up against this year, uh, he's up against uh, Alexander Sasha Barkov of the Florida Panthers and Mark Stone. Mark Stone. Of the Gold- Vegas Golden Knights. Which... Jeff, you said earlier. It's a lot of candidates there for reputation wins. Exactly. Yes. And there's probably a certain percentage of voters that are going to pull for Stone or Barkov because they're due. Sort of like Couturier winning last year when really he should have won the year before and not last year. (laughs) Right. Right. Stone should have won last year is really what it is. I just assumed he won it last year. That's how much I thought he actually deserved to win it. Like, no, then, it, was, it was Couturier. Yeah. yeah, go figure. And the year before, it was Ryan O'Reilly. <sighs> who was not even ranked among the top 10 uh, forwards for that this year. So, I, mean, I think the real surprise there is that... Um, I know we're, you know, we love talking about the mild here, but that Erickson Eck wasn't a finalist. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, that team apparently was beginning to look wild because of that one guy who is the Calder Trophy uh, nominee. Oh, not just nominee, almost certainly, even though they can't officially say it, the runaway, the runaway winner, probably. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name. Kaprizov? Kaprizov? Uh, Kaprizov. Kaprizov, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so, that guy. Oh, no, what happened to your Kapriz? Oh, he, Kaprizov. Uh... Anyway. <laughs> and I'm sure when he does, people bring up, like, oh, Bruins screwed up because he was pick, pick, traded with the pick, drafted with the pick that Bruins traded for one for one for another fifth. It's like... I mean, like, it took the guy six years to come to North America. Like, using a pick on him at all was a gamble by anyone. Exactly. <laughs> the Bruins acquired Ray Bork with a first-round pick they got from L.A. I, uh, I know that's, like, super long ago, but, like, okay, Bruins still, I think... Neither Krejci nor Bergeron were drafted with second-round picks that actually belonged to Boston, nor was Marshawn. Whoa! Marshawn's third was acquired by trade, I think, loot. So was Luch's. Luch's second was was acquired for the trade for Samsonov. So what like, you're saying is that we've stolen all these players from all these other teams. I mean, so Bergeron wasn't a steal. That was a compensatory pick because back then, if you lost someone to UFA, you got a pick as well. And so that was for losing Bill Guerin. Oh, Bill Guerin for Bergeron. That's awesome. <laughs> right? That's awesome. <laughs> you know, um, not uh, Tim would be proud to hear me say this, but Tom Brady 
was also a compensatory pick. Did you know that? I don't remember the circumstances of why he was a compensatory pick. Uh, but uh, he was, and uh, history was made. That's all I can say. Hey, look, you know, picks go here, there, and everywhere. Uh, and uh, it's beautiful that teams can make something out of them. So that's good. But anyway, I really hope that Bergie just wins this. You, If you make Bergie win this one this year, if he wins this one because he should and he deserves it, you don't have to nominate him ever again as far as I'm concerned. You know, start nominating Marshy. I, I don't care. I want him to win this because at this I'm point... I'm just going to say, just just get it done. You know, even if you don't really think he deserves it this year, which like, eh, he kind of does. Um, You know, just give it to him like that last like that last Lindstrom Norris. Just just be done with it, set the record, and call it a day. Yep. <laughs> right, right, because people will remember Patrice Bergeron a lot longer than they'll remember um, Bob Gainey. Well, maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> I want it to be that way, damn it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's a, that's a bit of good news uh, that happened this week. Um, uh Okay, I guess that's really the only... Is there really anything else that's good, or do we just have to start getting into other news? Anytime anyone mentions David Krejci getting drafted, I like to remind people that I was at that draft, but no, that's it. Okay, well, that's very good to know. That's very good to know. I just want to say I am mourning the temporary loss of Brandon Carlo. Mm. Anybody who knows me... uh, uh, you know, uh, on, on Twitter, I'm a Green Mountain girl. Um, she, I think her Twitter handle is at Debbie Ram. She said I was the first person she thought of when Brandon Carlo got knocked from that game. And don't get me wrong. I know the hit was a good hit. It was not a dirty hit or anything. I just hate to see that happen. I don't still, like, the like bottom line is Cal Clutter Cal Clutterbuck needs to go fuck himself off into the sun because like in a span of like throughout like three games he broke my boy and then yours. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> your t- your boy is Craig Smith now? Oh I needed a I needed a new one with with, with, with Krug gone and okay. obviously I've been washing his balls all season. This was a bit, it was time for me to finally commit here. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. I I I just need to know these things. I, I need to keep track of these things. I didn't know. I'm no, I I think that's great. Everybody should be able to get a new boy when they need to. I'm gonna lose one of my boys, but you know, the other boy, I just uh, I don't like anybody going around him and hurting him. I want to hurt them so badly. Brandon Carlo doesn't want to hurt you. He just doesn't want you to score. Stop getting around him. Stop trying to score. Just leave him alone. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, I just, you know, it makes me sad. Um, And I was hoping, really hoping that he could get into the game yesterday. And uh, no, he was riding a bike yesterday, so that was good. But uh, we're not there yet. And I don't know if chances are any better for Monday to get him in. But I know that this team, without Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller, is that they need them so badly. So Kevin, not to rush you, but Kevin Miller, get better soon. We need you. We need your physicality. We need you to just be like, hell no. 
Go clutter fuck To level out the state, the, the ship estate here, because like having both Lausanne and Tenorti in a playoff game is just not fucking working out. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, at one point I was and, watching. And Cliffy playing further up in the lineup with more minutes, it, it showed how not good that is last night as well. <laughs> Cliffy <laughs> needs to be with Kevin. So Kevin, please. He didn't even travel. We know that he's he's still skating in Boston. That's that's positive. But Kevin, if you can be ready for Monday, which is tomorrow, that would be great. And if you can't, I get ready for Wednesday. You know, because we know that this series now is going to at least six games, which you yeah. guys were all right about. And I was very wrong about. So I'm going to say this. This is the way I look at it. If you don't get Carlo back, this you might not win this series. If you don't get Ke- Carlo and Kevin back, it's definitely going to seven and you might not win this series. So get these two guys back. You Seriously. Know? like I said, the fact that Carlo didn't get hospitalized and was walking around still at the arena at the end of the game where he took the hit was good news. Yes, but it was scary watching him trying to get off the ice because he was clearly dazed. So this might be a case of, you know, I hate the expression had their bell rung because it's, you know, euphemistic and papers over the problem that maybe with a bit of luck, that is genuinely an accurate description of what happened there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm really hoping he'll be back in tomorrow night and I'm hoping that Kevin Miller will be in tomorrow night or Wednesday, probably not tomorrow night, but maybe Wednesday fingers crossed. Uh, really, I would. I think Miller's probably a higher chance for tomorrow than Carlo is, but we'll see. Hey, look, you know what? If we get Kevin Miller that's back tomorrow, that's great. I'll, I'll be happy about that. Uh, I just don't. I don't want to see Lausanne anymore. The series. I, he... He's given seven. Seven even strength goals have been scored against him in five playoff games. Yeah. Like I don't know what happened to like Lausanne looked good early in the season and he broke that thumb and has been just absolute fucking dog shit ever since, regardless of his playing situation. But remember, <laughs> this is his first year, so you hit a wall at a certain point, right? Not everybody is a Charlie McAvoy who gets thrown into the playoffs and plays like out of his mind, right? Not not everybody's like that. You you saw Lausanne for many years before. You you've always liked Lausanne. I I have and I do. It's just like I'm just like absolutely bliss blown away at just how, and like the part of the thing with him is he's always had good judgment and he's had like freaking like Zaboral level shit judgment lately. <laughs> yes. Well. All right. Let's talk about that. Blind passes in game two, uh, especially the one in overtime to Charlie Coyle's foot. So yeah, Lozon both had a both had a rough game, and he also had some shit luck, like that deflection off of his skate. That just yeah. sucks. Like it's hard, you know. Like it, in any other game, would be like, "That's okay, buddy. You can get over it." But then, like the way he played the rest of the time, too. Yeah, yeah. He had a bad game. Uh, it was a tough watch, and then uh, that was just the capper. That was, that was the capper. Shitty luck or not, you just you can't be just making blind passes all the time. You got to have some idea, especially in overtime. In overtime. You're supposed to be protecting your puck a little bit more and not allowing the other team to just get a stray puck and go on a breakaway. Mm-hmm. Ah, God, I got to tell you, that game was frustrating to watch 
especially when it's like, you know, it's like I'm sitting there because I, I did end up going to the second game as well. Very lucky Ooh. person over here. But my body felt wrecked for a couple of days. Um, those seats are unforgiving. Mm. Uh, and oh. the stairs. Oh, God. But anyway, my point is this, is that it, it was frustrating to watch the team struggle. They could have won that game so many times, but they let the team back in and then they lost it in overtime, you know, and you just sit there and you're like, I'm not going to get home until one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and you guys fucking lost. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am done with Lausanne right now. I Lausanne, I want to see you next year. I do not want to see you anymore. Like, like honestly, if the, if, if, if Miller and Carla weren't back in for tomorrow, like, or only one of them is. I would even entertain maybe trying Zaboral now that he's available again. Zaboral is just the funniest name. Zaboral. I forgot he existed. I did too. That's a shame. Yeah. I mean, because like, where else are you going to go? I mean, Urho has looked like a deer. and He's looked, he's looked like fucking Bambi on the ice every time. All, all four times they played him this year, right? So... <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a tough spot. We need our guys. We need our guys back. Like, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, like, it's a genuine tragedy that we that Moore and Camphor aren't available. Yeah. Especially, I'd want Camphor over Moore. Yeah, especially, yes, Cam, especially right now, seeing as we're having some right-shot defenseman yeah. um, shortages. But, 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 like, just some... I'm like, Moore's awful, and I hate John Moore. He'd be better than Lausanne at this point, too. <laughs> mm. Moore did have some good looks last year in the bubble, I think. But that's about as Moore, good as I can Moore say. at his worst is much better than Lausanne at his worst, and we've been watching Lausanne at his worst. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I, I understand Cassidy does it wants him to shake it off and just move forward. I get that. But it is frustrating to see, and at some point you have to... Well, I was like, see, Cassidy was being practical after game three. I'm like, okay, after game two, I'm like, okay, that's fine. And Lausanne had a decent game three. Not a great I, one, but fine. I was going to bring it up. He was like, he was, he was, he was okay. Well, it's like, you know what? Guess he was on the ice for that Barzal goal in game three. Mm-hmm. But like, that was not his fault. At Clifton's the one that fucked uh, Clifton and Wags are the ones that fucked up coverage there. <laughs> you know. You know, Wagner, whose entire job is to hit people, doesn't fucking smack the guy when he's when, when, when he has the time to take three different three a shot attempts at point blank. Yep. And Clifton was just like on Lausanne's side of the ice for reasons. That was a weird. There's goal. a miscommunication too behind the the net. I mean, Tuca went to his heavy, I guess, to hit what was it? His his left, thinking that that's where the play was going to go around. But then, oh shit. It's now to his right. He gets over late, which is why he wasn't able to fully shore up uh, his uh, his far side. But like again, there was enough time for other people to run to come and help him, and no one did. Oh yeah, yeah. You take three whacks at a goalie. And the most I've ever gotten is 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 two, and then I was killed. This is actually my I was going to say yeah. I was like, Wag should have hospitalized Barzal after the first yeah. after the second attempt. <laughs> yeah, but I I need to say this. Tuca was great through much of the game. I mean, even through that. I mean, that wasn't necessarily his fault. 
Oh, no, no, no. Not even oh, kind no. of his fault. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, Tuka is only... No, Tuka's better than what he's got around him at times. But, you know, there are times where it's like, there's not... There are not many situations that you can defend on your own when you have guys just whacking the sticks at you. you well, like, well, and likewise, last night, neither of the goals scored when Tuka was in net are particularly hard to blame him for. But Barzal's was a weird one, right? A bad, def- a bad block followed by a baseball swing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those yeah. are hard, hard to save, right? And then that second one, I don't even know what happened on that second goal. Did like Coyle do a stick block and his stick exploded and it went in or something? Is that what happened there? Oh, you're getting the goals mixed. You mean the first one? I thought the baseball swing was the what, what was the first? What, what was the first one? Okay, second. okay. So yeah, no, the coil, the coverage was was horrible by the uh, by by Coyle there. It didn't. He went to try to defend, and his stick exploded. But, but yeah, the the coverage uh, in front of the net. Well, it was a clear pass to the front. Like you can't, you you need to block those. Well, again, Lozon is increasingly becoming a bit of a Forrest Gump on these things. But he was on the ice doing who knows what somewhere in a place where no one was. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, almost like Linus Arneson. <laughs> the few times I saw him in Providence. He's just he's just turning into the Forrest Gump of goals against right now. Just like uh, yeah. sometimes he fucks it up, other times he's just sort of there. <laughs> right. So obviously we're talking about Lausanne. We're talking about our defensive problems and all of that. Um, and you know, yesterday the game. If you looked at the end result, it was four one, which does not tell even remotely half the story there because two of those were empty net goals. So I just wanted to, Oh, I turned it off before the second empty netter. I'm just like, there was like 30 seconds left. I'm like, Nope. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um, I should have, Uh, I was frustrated. I almost turned it off immediately after the first empty netter, but I left it on for like another minute. And it's like, why am I doing this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, thankfully I'd left all of the dinner dishes to be done, um, and put away. So, uh, after the game was over, I was like, well, fuck this shit. I got to go put all this stuff away and do all this well, stuff. I was, just, was, I like, was tired and wanted to go to bed, but I couldn't after that. I was angry. So I, you know, watched a couple episodes of bad batch and then like, yeah, <laughs> I got a pizza. Oh, <laughs> good for you. I'm jealous of you being all young and getting pizzas and stuff at such a late hour. It was a bit late. My friend Brian, he's got each of us got a slice. Nice. Let's let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to game one when it was happy. Yes, we should have. I should have oh, led yeah, with the this. First four periods of hockey, they just ran roughshod over the aisles. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! First of all, you can thank my husband for the hat trick. He and oh, Pasta yeah. just have some weird synergy. See what's that? Is this fourth Pasta hat trick in person or fifth? Uh, I think it's definitely fourth. It could be fifth. We have replaced the gold hat like three times, <laughs> I think. Um, so he's on his fourth gold hat, but the, he didn't have that hat last uh, Saturday. He, for some reason, reason was just wearing a scally hat. So he oh. lost that hat. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, we got into the car and I just looked at him and I'm like, are you prepared to lose that hat? And he goes, oh, I guess if I have to, I have to. I that way I was giving him the opportunity to go in and get the gold hat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this hat it's probably not going to be hard to replace, but the exact hat that he got, it, you know, he's he's going to have to get a different scally hat. Is basically what I'm saying. 
I kind of love when hats that have no business being thrown in the ice show up, like, you know, the periodic, at least once a season, someone ends up with a cowboy hat out of their, on the ice. It's like, those are fucking expensive. Yes. Hundreds of dollars. I would never wear one of those to a hockey game. Mm -mm. Some people didn't, you know, some people. I don't care how terminally Texan you are. Like, you you can't afford to do that. Right. Blocking someone's view wearing one of those things. <laughs> Cowboy hats have they have no business being at the at at the ball game. It's not a ball game, it's a I hockey game. Pop. Okay. When I was growing up, my my pops always told me that um well cowboy hats they got no business being at the ball game. <laughs> oh you can bring them you can bring them to you bring them to dance. It's one of those hats you know you can go work in it. Go work in that hat, protect from the sun, and then you, you know, put on the nice nice boots, put on the nice jeans, Wrangler jeans, and all that, little special Wrangler jeans, and you go and dance with, you know, maybe dance with one of you know, tree girls from the city. I'm kind of impressed because that isn't just like talking in a drawl. Like you really like mocked up like having entirely too big a wad of chaw back there too. <laughs> oh, I was like, I, I grew chaw. I, 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 I made a chaw myself. <laughs> I just go out in the backyard and yeah. pick it. <laughs> anyway, I'm done with that. <laughs> um, you're right. The, the, the game is not a place for a cowboy hat. I'm glad that we've tackled this very tough issue, okay? Although I would say, if like I owned like a slash style top hat, I might wear it to hockey games just in hope that with the hope of being able to throw it on the ice. <laughs> that is what I'm oh going to do God. next year. We're going to get a, a top hat. We're going to we're going to throw a top hat onto the ice for David Pasternak. I hope because we can never take a straight shot. We were up in the balcony. We were actually um, we were just. Feet away from the gallery, uh, not the gallery, uh, the rafters bar. Mm. Like, I didn't have to climb any stairs. It was right there. Can't drink, of course, but that's okay. It was right there. And they have bathrooms there, too. So no huge lines. No going downstairs for huge lines. It was awesome. But we didn't get our seats until, like, the end of the first period because we had this special section where they actually covered up the seats underneath with a platform so we needed actual just fold out chairs and we didn't all get our chairs until the end of the first, which was no. sucky. And yeah, one of the members of our party was very pissed off. It was not me, but I, I understand. So, so anyway, it was a, uh, it was a good time. That game, uh, man, it was, I got to tell you, it is so weird to be in a place where like the, the lockdown is basically over. They were trying to enforce mask things, but they couldn't really enforce mask things there. I was going to say, there was not a whole lot of masks going on there in the crowd based on the... On the no. Yeah. Every once in a while, they'd flash it up on the screen and we'd put our masks back on and we'd take them off. I had already dined uh, in a restaurant earlier that was packed. So I'm just like, I if I'm getting the COVID, I'm getting the COVID. I'm fully vaccinated by a couple months so, um, so my fears are like, okay, I, I don't really want to get COVID, but I, if I get COVID, I'll be okay. Um, cause you know, that's how it is. Uh, I am seven days out from that. I'm assuming nothing is going to sprout up. So, you know, somebody asked me this week, oh, so how does it feel to be out in public and whatever? And I'm just like, 
you know, I don't miss the people. Oh my god. We'll talk maybe off off offline about this, but yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah, it, I mean, it I didn't think that it it would take me so little time to be so weirded out about being in places with people. I mean, we I, North Carolina beat you guys about like a week and a half. I'm still not used to it. Like we haven't like seen it to that degree, right? Because masks have been ubiquitous, even when we were fairly open through most of the winter. And I, I, I don't, I don't know if I miss any of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been going back to the gym regularly. <laughs> so this week, the gym went from masks uh, are recommended to no masks, and then very quickly into no more social distancing. So, like, in the span of a week, I had to deal with all of that. And I was just like, still wear my mask. Okay, I wear one of those little, like, you know, blue masks. Uh, because when I'm working out, I need to be able to breathe a little bit better. So it's a disposable. I, I hate the disposable ones, but I have to wear it that, in that way. So I'm still wearing my mask until at least the 15th at the gym. Okay. And uh, I am still trying to make sure I assert my physical distance between people whenever I can, but I still have a mask on just in case. And I'm going much earlier in the morning now so that I can avoid a crush of people because I went on Memorial Day thinking no one's going to be here. Everybody was there. So, yeah. And it was like, it was like 15 minutes until closing. It was like uh, closing was at one o'clock. 15 minutes till closing when I left and I was like, good luck getting all of these people out in 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so it's just very weird. Uh, I'm not quite used to it yet. Uh, like I said, I'm still going to wear my masks until like the 15th. You could go into Target now without a mask on, apparently. Uh, some stores, you can do that. I'm just like, I'm not there yet, guys. Yes, I realize the irony. I went to a stadium full of people. Uh, but I kind of, uh, I, I trust what the mayor and, and the governor feel about Boston and here we were hit in a different way. So I'm still just kind of being a little cautious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Also, because I was around like groups of people, if for some reason I had it, it's better for me to mask up anyway, isn't it? So there you Mm -hmm. go. But anyway, yeah, so it was crazy being in full capacity for the first two games. I I'm not used to it yet, but it was really fantastic. So uh, game uh, so game one was the uh, the pasta trick that was fantastic. Loved it. Everybody was pumped for it. And uh, game three, down in uh, in Islandersville is what I was going to say. Some uh, Craig Smith returned after missing a game and a half, right? And immediately scored a goal. Like, oh nice. my god! It, it like, like it must it, have been his first or second shift. Just <laughs> trickled in past him, and it was so beautiful. It's like we'll take it. Let's go. Well, like last night was the first game that Varlamov hasn't given up a goal on his first on one of his first three shots yet this playoffs. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sad that they switched out from Sor- Sorokin to Varlamov. <laughs> <laughs> I like after, Sorokin. <laughs> after his game one, I'm like, yep, here comes Varlamov. Oh God, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. I, again, though, the, 
the Bruins, they, didn't they have a second period where it was just like, Bleh. their second periods are hard to watch right now. Um, I mean, like, games one and two, they had really good second periods. Yep, the third game was where it yeah. started to fall apart, and it was just hard to watch. You can't keep letting the Isles do what they want to do. That's a quick way to almost lose a game. Thankfully, we had Marshy in overtime. Thankfully, Marlamov forgot how to goaltend. Yeah, I was just going to say, Marlamov decided to sit this one out, sort of like, you know, that one, that, 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 that sent some sun off in, in, in double <laughs> overtime. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was so great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, okay. So you had two things. Marshy made a three and 1,000 shot. Okay. That's those are the odds on that. It's you know that he it's made awful a, angle. It. <laughs> yep, and and he had a goalie to defend it, theoretically, uh, if Varlamov had gotten into the right, gotten he, all Varlamov had to do was just move a little bit, when yeah. <laughs> it would have stopped that. But oh man. Now, that the... goal going in, the hockey gods turned around and uh, punished Boston yesterday. I guess so. Yeah, they did. Well, I mean, like that 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 Pasternak open net post. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, Dan fucking Paye would have made that shot. Mr. Like, Stonehands. You know man. who wouldn't yeah. make it? You know, you know, you know what they gave me flashbacks of? Casper's fucking Dogavins. <laughs> oh no, he was dog hands man. That's right, my mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stone hands is ghost dog. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Pie, even Dan Pie would have made that goal. <laughs> it just really, it was just really bad luck. Just... Like there was no, like, like I don't know why he was thinking there was no reason for him to one time that one. He could have fucking skated it into the blue paint and would have had it to himself. <laughs> yeah. Settle it and t- settle it and put it in right. I mean, I understand, you know, Pasta, you got a good one timer, but like, if you don't need to take that gamble, don't do it. <laughs> when that didn't go in, I did this exact same thing Pasta did. I just went like I I was watching the game and I just like went lunged forward on the ground and just went ah, and I'm, that's what Pasta did. I was going to say, you don't see that degree of, like, failure, uh, um, failure anti-celebration. That's like um, Lundqvist lo- getting eliminated from the playoffs level of a uh, <laughs> level broken man on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> or Reimer in Game 7. Oh. I, I had to say it. Come on. He did. He just looked like he was utterly broken. That poor guy that goal last night or that that goal that could have been that was that was hard to watch um, well here's yeah. the thing is up to that point the aisles were playing like they were desperate and like this was the, 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 the this was going to be the last of anything they had to offer in this series and then that happened and, and things just sort of fell apart like like before that they were forechecking they were hitting everything but they weren't achieving jack shit and it had a strong feeling of dumping everything they had on the ice it was a dagger opportunity. Mm-hmm. Our assassin failed. What kind of turned the tide, oddly enough, was that game tie-in goal um, by the Islanders. They killed a, technically, I guess it's called a delay of game penalty. 
Yeah, the uh, for the failed chart for the failed yeah. uh, challenge. And it was a scary game once that happened. Like, uh oh, you could tell. Like once that happened, like n- no matter when the next goal is scored, that team wins. And so when it was in the third period. It wasn't the Bruins. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, because Bruins didn't score any more after that. That that did now, suck. Some things about that game, like like last two. I mentioned this before we're actually recording. I can't believe how much I'm finding myself hating Matt Barzal now. Before I just hated hit the the concept of Matt Barzal, right? Mm-hmm. But like watching him play, like hey, he's a he's an absolute shit heel. Yep. And like in a very specific dangerous way, it's not like little ticky tack stuff, like cross checks left and right. <laughs> Like not just the marathon of cross checks on Krejci, mm-hmm. but like he'd all previously got gone at gone to the box for cross checking checking Lazar too, right? And he just like doesn't participate in the first two periods, two games in a row. Um, to add to your point, Tim says, "Fuck Barzell." Well, actually, let's do that. Let's just go through Tim's list here, all, all in one shot. I yeah, it, 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 yeah, I thought we would, but I just wanted to start. Since you were talking about Barzell, let's yeah. say it. So Tim was was going to be with us, but it is very hot and humid. And to do this, what we're doing right now, you cannot be running fans and ACs. It, it just, it screws with the sound. And we all know that I like the sound to be a certain way. And once I let that lapse and I heard about it and it, and I apologize for it. So um, Tim also really wasn't looking very well. He was just looking like he was suffering from all the heat. So we told him to go take care of himself. Um, easy. You know, uh, take and it so easy. So this is what he asked us to communicate to all of you. Um, a, Tenorti actually did positive things. Yes, Tenorti yes. did not have a bad game. Right. But... Now, what we saw during the regular season is you bring, you, you bring in Tenorti, he will have a good game. Mm-hmm. He is not likely to have two good games in a row, basically ever. <laughs> he, he degrades quickly with repeated exposure. <laughs> he is a very big body out there, and he has very useful aspects like playing punchy face and uh, was, intimidating people. a half-decent fight against Matt Martin. He lost it, but like he held his own. Yeah. <laughs> and when they went to the ice, he ended up on top. So, I mean, it's only like if you're counting punches landed that... Martin won. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is that um, when you're fighting Matt Martin, don't turn your back and think he's going to stop punching. He will keep punching. Yep. <laughs> he, that's what he does. He punches sizes. So all over the time, uh, all over the place. So, yes. So B, I hate the Islanders. Yes, Tim. Yes. I, I agree completely. This is this isn't quite playing against the fucking Senators in the opening round in 2017. Tedious hockey, but I am sick of it. Like, like I like chippy hockey, but this isn't entertaining chippy hockey. No, no, it's a war of attrition. It's just, it gets boring after a while. There are times where you want to see goals scored. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and you can't have every game two to one or three to two or whatever. So both these teams clog up the middle so much. Like, I was watching my friend Brian, and okay, don't get me wrong, Tuka was extremely good yesterday. Yep. But Brian was like, oh man, look at all these saves Tuka's making. I'm like, hey, that, that ain't Tuka. That's just, those are just 
the Bruins blocking shots. Like, they, uh, which compliment to the Bruins blocking shots. Um, but and then the Islanders blocked so many shots. I do have to say, Tuca clearly has some sort of like um, mission. Is on a mission to like crush Anthony Bavelier's dreams, and I kind of love it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That kid was probably raised, you know, to have all sorts of advantages and all this stuff. And Tuca's like, "Fuck you." <laughs> you know, he's not quite the uh, the the sentient walking uh, boat shoe uh, that uh, Hathaway is, but uh, you know. But like again, what he what Rask's what stoned like four or five breakaways on uh, um uh, from him or something. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. So yeah, fuck the Islanders, man. Fuck them. Anyway, so Tim's next point we've covered it, but uh, to reiterate, fuck Barzal. Yep. Mm-hmm. D. Fuck their fourth line bullshit. Oh God, yes. Why As are they identi- called the identity line? What the fuck is that? Like, 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 how could a fucking broadcaster say that and not hate themselves? I tweeted that last night. It's like, it's like perfection line versus identity line. It's like, wow, wow, NBC broadcasters. I hope you went home and hanged yourself after that one. Because, like, everything else you've done, even if you're John Forslund, you must hate yourself for saying that phrase, uh, that sentence. <laughs> the Merlot line was cool because they wore Merlot jerseys. Like, I feel like we're trying to, like... A and they line. all... They all really liked wine. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, that's even better. You see, like, I just associate the wine with that team with being specifically a recce thing. Oh, I know recce liked wine. Well, just <laughs> to say he didn't introduce them all to it, and they all had, like, finer palates. So there you go. So it's like they didn't want to be called the the red shirt line or the burgundy line or whatever. So they went with the Merlot because they all enjoyed wines, you know? Uh, so anyway, yes, but uh, identity line. What the fuck is that? Uh, like, 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 why don't you just, just straight up call them the fucking the checking line, capital C at that point? Like, yeah. not even God trying. And like, like this, that line's been together a lo- for a long time because they were there before Martin went to Toronto and then got reunited when Martin got brought back. So like, they've been together long enough to have a real name. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, my what one of my favorite things about uh, the perfection line thing is this. Emily Benjamin, she goes, "Oh, good, they got in one last perfection line." Because okay, guys, uh, we all know this, you know, um, but I feel like we need to just in case there's somebody from NBC Sports listening. Um, you won't have the NHL much longer. It's okay. But nobody calls them the perfection line. You guys do. And that's dumb. And then they Joe do Haggerty, Haggerty does. does. Yes. They do it because Haggerty yeah. does. Because again, even though he doesn't work for an, an outlet of note uh, worth mentioning anymore, the national media still seems to think that Haggerty's the guy to talk to about the boss, about the Bruins. He's the president of the local chapter of the pro. My guess is that's because no one else wants the job. Because it's sort of like the guy that's executive director of our professional organization because literally no one wants the job, even though he is incredibly crooked for an organization intense, ostensibly policing ethics. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Everyone knows it too. It's, it's it's ridiculous. Like I'm assuming it's I'm assuming the Haggerty thing is because no one else wants to be the, the president of the of the, of the local um, uh, 
Board Association because it just doesn't make any sense otherwise. Right, right. And it, it also could be like largely ceremonial, which so so I I don't want to hear those two lines ever mentioned again. Okay. I know that's uh, Yeah, I think I might be watching the Sportsnet broadcast tomorrow night and rather than the NBC one. Oh I wish I could. I wish I could. But anyway. Okay. I'm excited about it. I hate almost everyone that works for Sportsnet too, but I am so done with this this particular NBC crew. They just completely cancel out John Forslund by pairing him with fucking Mint Pierre. It's like, can we have Forslund and Brian Boucher in the same game? Wouldn't that be great? It would. I'd like it. I love Brian Boucher. I mean, he's not Bruins positive because he grew up a Habs fan. But, you know, his family is from Montreal. I mean, like, that's a whole thing Boucher. in parts of Northern Rhode Island. Like, my, my, my dad tells stories that, like, all the guys he played hockey with were all Habs fans because they were all French-Canadian families, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, you know, he was born and raised in Cumberland, so, you know. <laughs> Woonsocket. Woonsocket. Oh. So, well, I mean, that's where Boucher is from, Woonsocket. Yeah. So, Northern Rhode Island, yeah. And Woonsocket, Cumberland, uh, Pawtucket, like, the the lines are fuzzy on all counts there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't get through Tim's Hall list Yeah, I, I know, I'm, I was getting there Hall, please don't fight again Your hands are too valuable Do not, do not fight I was gonna say, like, that one Like, okay, I liked the spirit, but like Hall for Mayfield is not a not an acceptable trade No uh, I mean, Tenority ten- ten- for Martin Wasn't really an acceptable trade either But like, you know, at the same time Someone needed to do something about those four About those idiots on their fourth line um, with Hall fighting, it reminded me when Krejci fought. Oh God, he was a hab, and then he played for us. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, 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 Pouliot. Yes, Pouliot. Um, it was the massive game where the goalies fought too. So Krejci's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get in a fight," and it's like, "Oh no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that." Stop. Oh God, stop. Um, oh yeah, that was the game that like 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 forty year old Thomas fought eighteen year old uh, Carey Price, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Final score eight to six. Um, so, um, yeah, that's what it reminded me of, but um, w- with more hatred because it's the playoffs. I was gonna say I have no problem with seeing stars fight in the playoffs. I mean, like Bergeron Malkin during the um uh, during the twenty thirteen um uh, Eastern Conference Finals was great. Yeah, but they gotta be fighting other stars. <laughs> Sean Thornton's comment on that: Who knew that Bergie was a southpaw? <laughs> and of course, like you know, people still talk about two thousand four um uh, finals uh fight between Aginla and Lecavier. Oh yeah, like that's famous. That's that's a that's a fucking heavyweight match too, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and lastly, and I agree with Tim on this one. Oh I, God, yes. The last point. Coach, bottom six is rough. Also, stop playing the fourth line when the game is on the line late. On the line late, it's annoying. Dear fucking God, why at the two two twenty left was the fucking fourth line out there? Yeah. Like at that point, they should have been hard. They should have been hard rolling the top six and just benching the entire bottom six. Just, just, just. <laughs> Maybe trickle in pieces of the bottom six that were better than others, but not the whole six. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all for shortening the bench uh, late in the game if you're not winning, especially. Uh, I'm all for shortening the bench if you are winning in the late, uh, it late and, you know, the lead is in jeopardy. Got to give the Isles credit. That was an absolute clinic in defending a one-goal lead. Yeah. Yeah. Also, didn't exactly make it that hard for them either. <laughs> but still, fuck them. <laughs> yes. So about the the bottom six, though. Well, uh, according to what we found out before the game, uh, before the game, before recording today, uh, they're not really going to do anything about the bottom six. It's definitely not changing the line. Sounds like he's probably coming in for someone TBD on the third but- line. But not in the fourth, which feels to me like it's going to result in the right in the wrong choice there. Like unless it's like, does that mean they're going to scratch DeBrusque? Because I mean, he got knocked off the puck pretty easy a few times there. But out of the out of the bottom six, like DeBrusque and, and Lazar are the only ones I have any use for after the last couple of games. <laughs> Remember when we used to call Corrali big goals only? What the fuck? He can't buy a goal. Corrali and Wagner are an absolute disaster. Like, I understand you play them a lot on the PK, but, like, here's the thing about PK. Almost any forward can play the PK. Like, I wouldn't put Richie out there, but there's no one else on this team I wouldn't. (laughs) Pasta, I guess. Yeah, Pasta and Richie are the only forwards we have I wouldn't put on the penalty kill. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because Hall would be great. But Islanders are 3 for 11 on the PP. Bruins, 4 for 9. So... Using that reasoning, keeping someone in specifically for the PK actually seems un- strikes me as unnecessary, rather than sticking with rather than the logic of it being sticking with something that's working. I'm just like, um, I feel like you have room to tweak there. Mm-hmm. If you're taking somebody off the third line, take Richie off. That's fine. Again, this is the move I would make. It's Wagner. If you're going to sit one forward, it has to be Wagner. What the fuck is Bruce thinking here? Because at least Corelli can take faceoffs. Corral, yeah. but Wags has done nothing at any fucking point this goddamn playoffs. Like, like he had a bad season, and it's just so much worse. Two more years on that contract, which is just awesome, too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like the contract when it was signed. No, there's literally no reason to sign someone like Wagner early. <laughs> and not for so three years. The stand-up for Wagner a little bit, and maybe you'll disagree... I thought he played his best game uh, last night. Um, which, when you're uh, when the bar is so low. Okay, you know I'll give you that, but like I think about how fucking clown shoes the fourth the, the third line the fourth line was in game three, for example. Hmm. Like there's one point um, where they're making where they're exiting the defensive zone, and somehow all three forwards get tied up along the boards on the um, uh, penalty box side between their own blue line in the red line and lost the puck and it ends up back yep. in the D zone. The uh, defenseman dealt with it and cleared it, which is great and all, but like, what the fuck were they doing? Like Lazar was the last one to the party and you can see the look on his face. Like he had no understanding of what his swingers were up to. <laughs> I, uh, of course this has been discussed in our private thread because we're really cool, but I, I thought it was a philosophy issue. They, especially the wings are told they hit way too much. There's other aspects of a good fourth line besides just hitting anything that moves. Hitting, if you 
miss a hit or just are always going in for the hit, you're going to be out of position. You're going to be slow. But, of course, exiting the zone, that has nothing to do with hitting. But, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. The only person I want to see on the fourth line hitting anybody is Weggs. Because, honestly, it's like you can use Corrales' speed if you use it correctly. He can get down there, chase after pucks. He can get the puck down there. Don't necessarily want him taking a shot. Lazar, I think, though, we don't really have a lot of evidence of this right now. I think Lazar is more valuable getting straight down the ice than getting clogged up in hits, too. Again, like all the way through, Lazar has just genuinely looked like he's trying to hold it together and he's, and he's just given nothing to work with. Yeah. Like my favorite version, like Lazar centering DeBrusque and Kuhlman late, late in the regular season looked great. Why are we not seeing that? Put DeBrusque back on his right wings. I mean, there are some, a variety of complications because then we run out, we run out of bodies on the right side, short of moving coil over and putting Corrali at 3C, which, like, he clearly doesn't deserve right now. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, like, do you... You gotta do something. Like, do you, do you consider maybe, like, taking another stab at the whole Studnika thing, which wasn't, you know, didn't work out so well during the season? So you can move coil, move coil to the right side on that line? I don't know. Um, again, based off the comments Cassidy made this morning... Fourth line staying as is. I, I just can't fathom it. Like, like, but Bruce is a good coach, but like, this is bad. This is, <laughs> and like, you could say it's like, well, you know, he's keeping the guys at hit because they, this team's been being dismantled by a pair of physical fourth lines in the second two years in a row. And it's like, yes, this is true. Perhaps it's because our fourth line lacks the talent to, to stand up against these other fourth lines. There's a matchup problem yeah. at the bottom of the roster. This is yeah. unambiguous. Again, it was a problem in, against the Caps, too. <laughs> I'm hoping for, again, Kuhlman in on the third, bring the uh, Brusk back to his uh, left, which is, is possible. Like, that... Um, again, it, it, I, I, Kuhlman's going to play next game off of what I heard from, from Caps. I, I just see no... Out of the four bottom line wingers, like DeBrusque is the one I think that has the most argument for staying in. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's what they're doing here. If DeBrusque is the scratch, I don't need. Yeah. Fans on Twitter seem to think, oh, that means DeBrusque is going to go. I'm like, that? Mmm. That... Uh, this feels more like a concession that not that DeBrusque is useless, but that DeBrusque isn't a right wing, which we've known yeah. that for ages. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really annoying. Put him on his left side, on the proper side. DeBrusque started out being uh, a right shot. And then he wanted to emulate his dad so much that he changed up his shot. Interesting. Um, so theoretically, he can play both sides. But he's but, no, but not really, because he's not playing different stick. He's still playing his normal shot side, just on, I, on his I, off wing. I know, so I know. That's when he, he needs to... He needs to actually. Oh my God! Is there been a a right shot stick and see if he can do something better on right wing? Yeah, (laughs) I want. I'm sure, like in the 50s or something, it was done. But who was the last um, hockey NHLer to use like curve as a shooting orientation during the season, like an ambidextrous, an amphibious, so to speak, um, shooter? Amphibious. 
Yeah. You know what's the shame is there is actually like a good case for people shooting on shooting on the wrong side on the other wing because for for terms of lining up certain kinds of shots, they're just not the kinds of shots DeBrus takes. Um, and it's harder defensively. Yes, got almost always going to, which again as an NHLer you, you you should be able to do this, but you're more than likely to receive a pass exiting like, the like zone. Like Louis Erickson comes to mind, right? He shot yeah. left, but only oh, yeah. but played right wing mostly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it worked for him. Um, yeah. Samsonov, Sergei Samsonov was, uh, I think it was a left wing shot right. Or I might have had that mixed up. It's been a couple of years. Well, and it's mainly about one-timers. So if you're a player yep. that doesn't do one-timers, it doesn't serve a purpose. It's sort of like why Ovechkin plays at the right dot on the power play. Right. <laughs> and you see um, the top line do this all the time. They'll reverse wingers on the offensive zone for set plays. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. That was fun. I, lo- I love talking about wingers. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like okay, there's gonna change, but it's not the right change. But right. it sounds good. Just want to bring up a couple of points now that we've uh, talked about all that. We it, two of our players have gotten five thousand dollar fines this week. Oh yeah, Jake DeBrus got one for uh, cross-checking Mayfield in the head. Warning. And uh, David Krejci yesterday got, uh, I mean, he got penalized for this. Uh, we, if we had not talked about this extensively yet, but uh, he ended up with a $5,000 fine for spearing. Who was it? Thought he was Matt Barzell. Mar- oh, Matt Barzell. Right. Because Matt Barzell. We just cross-checked him four times in a row. In the back. In the small of his back. Yes. Where um, the padding is not that good. Yes. So I said before we started officially recording, I understand now why Ovi, who should have had a spearing, but ended up with a, uh, I think, uh, a slash when yeah. when Trent Frederick was like just annoying the fuck out of him and cross checking him a bunch. I uh, I I didn't realize that, uh, you know, basically um, they could call one thing and then bring it down because of the infraction uh, of the other player. Of course, Barzell did not go for the cross-checking at all. It went unnoticed uh, until they called it a major. They called the, the spearing a major and then reviewed it and then decided, oh, okay, well, we'll give him two minutes for slashing. And the, the kid, and obviously what that is is they saw it's like, oh, crap, we, blew, we fucked up a whole bunch of these cross-checks. And they don't have the authority in the review to go back and hand us hand a minor out for those cross checks. Right, right. So, um, you know, they don't do makeup calls, but they totally do makeup calls. I was gonna say, yeah, the, the, the reducing that my major was definitely throwing Boston a bone, realizing that they'd fucked up something else. Mm-hmm. Because the right call there would have been Barzal would have been Barzal getting two minutes for for a cross check and Krejci getting five for a spear. But they missed the the, the uh, cross check. Yeah, multiple projects and there's nothing they can do about it directly right right so um how do you feel that the officiating has been going during these four games you know what before last night it wasn't a calamity it wasn't great but it's playoff so it's always bad last night was awful i i was saying i i get it you can't call everything i don't want to watch like you know three hours of calling every single penalty all the time uh that would be unwatchable but in the first couple of games, you know, especially game two, that's when I noticed some real shitty stuff happening. 
Um, I don't know how much you got to see on TV. Uh, what, I, what I'll say is one, you know, there was the whole like uh, cross check to the face of Sean Corrali. Mm-hmm. By, oh God, who was it? Oh, fuck. I just can't even remember. I'm just so hot. I can't remember names right now. Uh, yeah, so somebody should have gone off for that and nothing happened there. But the more egregious one was, there were two egregious ones I, I felt behind uh, or, yeah, behind the net. Um, one, Brandon Carlo's trying to get his puck, uh, get his stick away from, you know, a player that he collided with who is now on the ice. Um, and, you know, it was obvious holding of the stick. The puck was nowhere around there anymore. It had gone, right? Um, then the second one was Matt Martin totally, like, just bear-hugging uh, Charlie McAvoy. Puck is gone now, you know? It has been cleared out. It is obvious interference. Nothing, nothing is getting called on either of these things. You know, these are not the worst things to happen in the world, but they are things that, that should be called. When when you've got a player tying up a player from getting into position somewhere, it, it needs to be called. You know, then you, you know, th those are my major grievances, I think. Like I said, right now I'm so hot, I can't remember anything anymore. He's like... I'll give it credit. There's no, there aren't any phantom calls. There's just simply calls not happening. Right, right. And like, I appreciate that because call, because bullshit calls are way worse. Worse, yeah. Uh, after seeing, what was it, game, was it game five, 2019 Stanley Cup final, uh, Achari gets tripped. I'm still not over that. As long as, I'm serious, that changed my opinion on, Refing, as long as that doesn't happen, I don't care. It's a great called series. Um, my bar's that low. They, the refs reviewed a goal last night. They made the right call. Um, I think it's been it's it's been playoff officiating. That's nothing more, nothing less. I know the fan reaction online was pretty strong. Um, keep in mind, Bruins fans, we did lose last night, so I know how it feels. I also kind of felt the same way, but again, uh, uh, DeBrusque got a, <laughs> DeBrusque, um, at, probably gave someone a cracked skull and only got five grand for it, so it's okay. My least favorite call was actually game three, Corrali getting the cross check, because that really wasn't being called most of the game. Yeah. That's my favorite call, but eh, it was a it was a penalty. I get it, I get it. I, I, you know, like I said, you can't call every single thing, but it's just like, you know, I want to know where the threshold is on these things. You know, if you're not going to call certain things, then fine, don't call them. You know, but if you're calling Chris cross checking for one thing, you got to call cross checking for something else that is exactly the same, except to the front of the head instead of the back of the head. You know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, anyway, Cassidy didn't seem to have a problem with officiating until last night. You know, I find that very curious. I've always found his reticence to criticize. It's both commendable and just like Puzzle. tying one's own hand behind your back because the league 
refs clearly respond to being called out by folks like Brenda Moore and Baruby. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And like, 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 like Brenda Moore. Holy fuck. Br- Rob Brenda Moore. Rob Brenda Moore is fucking whiny. <laughs> has he been fined a couple of times for criticizing the refs? Yeah, he clearly doesn't give a fuck. Or yeah. has like carte blanche from Dundon to, from, from, from Dundon to just, you know, do what you got to do, man. I'll pay the fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, also it's like, if all you're going to do is get fined, what's stopping you? Right. You know what I mean? You're not physically going and having an altercation with I was going to say, we've seen what it takes to get a coach banned from the bench is for them to physically attack the other team's coach. Torts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, wow, to be fair, wow. Hartley sucks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was watching something yesterday from 1988 where a coach... I think it was a coach followed the ref all the way down the yes. hallway, told him, it said he was like a fat fuck or something like that. And said, why don't you eat more donuts? Donuts. Oh, they have never had another donut. Karski. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had never seen that until yesterday. So I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, really, honestly, that is a worse situation than calling somebody out, calling the officiating out for what it is, uh, you know, in the media. If you're only going to get fined for it, then take the fine. Who gives a shit, right? Uh, at some point, you do a mental calculation and see what, when it's worth it, right? Berube, for the matter, never got fined. What he got was better officiating for him. What he got was handed a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Off topic, but... Meanwhile, Kelly Sutherland still, you know, officiates a playoff games, apparently. Oh, yeah, that is weird. How does he... Okay. Oh, well. But yeah. Uh, mm, mm, I'm still not over game five. Sorry. Just not. It's going to really hurt when I get to game seven. Good. Good breaking news. The Canadian federal government has granted a travel exemption for the final two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which will allow games to be played both in Canada and the U.S. Wow. I know that Daly was sweating that, so... Glad that that's happening, I guess. Come on, the Canadians need, they need some, you know. The Habs or the Canadian. You know, that, that, that way, you know, Habs fans get to, will get to watch the Habs get their teeth kicked in by presumably the Habs, possibly Vegas um, at home. That's nice. Well, what if that doesn't happen and they win? No, 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 no. The Habs have done the extent of winning I'm allowed to permit at this point. Once they beat the Leafs, they're no longer they no longer were useful to me. <laughs> I'm well. Ideally, I was really when the whole playoffs began. I wanted a, a Carolina Boston final for very obvious reasons. Again, listeners, I live in North Carolina, but in second place, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll take a Habs Boston, Montreal Boston. That would be very very fun. Yes. Considering then, we haven't seen them at all this yeah. year, you know? And then yeah. Don Cherry is just going to, like, come out of coaching retirement and just be, like, an assistant assistant coach for the Bruins, which I know is he's not a good man, but just chaos reigns at that point. Yep, that could happen. Let's talk about that, that the possibility of what could happen in the next round. I mean... I'm not counting any ki- uh, kitchens. Let's try that again. I'm not counting any chickens before they hatch or kitchens before they hatch. But, um, uh, you know, er, because thanks to the, the Canadians, 
beating the Leafs, whatever comes out of that series, whoever wins that series will be facing the winner of the Avs Golden Knights Mm -hmm. series, right? Correct. So that means if the Bruins exit this round, uh, they will be facing, well, let's just be honest, most likely Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. This isn't the series. Doesn't seem to be going terribly well for Carolina. Carolina had a golden opportunity to tie it up uh, yesterday. I watched the game a little bit. I watched the end. Yeah. They were up four two, and then they lost six to four. Yep. Tampa's really good. It's like they're the defending champs or something. I mean, so like this is the last bit with this group, right? They're going to have to do take to um. Uh, they're going to lose Coleman and, and, and Goodrow to free agency, and they're going to have to shed at least two of their overpaid middle six wingers. Mm-hmm. Like, presume everyone assumes Johnson, but either Kalorn, Palat, or um, uh, Gord's going to have to leave too for them to be cap compliant next year. Well, they didn't even <laughs> want Johnson earlier in the year. And, yeah. And now, you know, he scores in, in, in yesterday's game, and I guess they're all very happy that he's there. Well, you mean you can't put, like, Kucherov on... on LTIR again? They have him have another surgery at a convenient time? What? I mean, Stamkos, he only plays like half a season at most anymore anyway, so why don't you just just take him out for the whole season with some nebulous Seriously, the league needs to revisit this and say in order to be eligible for the playoffs, a player needs to have played at least one regular season game for fuck's sakes. Oh, (laughs) beer league rules. Well, like think about it though. Think about how much that would have hamstrung Tampa if they had to, if they would have had to be cap compliant with with Kucherov just once. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I, look, they circumvented the cap with a conveniently timed surgery. He could have gotten that surgery any time in the months before, but they didn't. And it's not consider how long he'd been skating with the team too. Right. Like, and, like that timing is such is such bullshit, and the league saying they investigate this stuff is an obvious lie. Right, and and, and the thing is, is like, okay, so they found the loophole, and they took it. It's not technically illegal. Oh, they didn't break any rules. The point is, the rules are badly written. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I'm mad about. I'm not sitting here going, "Oh, the fucking cheaters!" Blah 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 blah. Well, they are kind of cheating, but you know, we have to call it gamesmanship with the cap. Mm-hmm. Right, because they they didn't break any obvious rules. Mm-hmm. So good to you, but I, I got to tell you, I'm almost dreading the Bruins winning this series because I don't know if I can do that again, guys. I I hate seeing them lose to the the Lightning in in the playoffs. Like like if I thought that the cat that the uh, Canes were going to advance, I'd be all for it because like you know it'd be kind of fun to start being the Canes bugaboo team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I would love that. Absolutely love it. Because yes. that would be you know. Who can we piss off into? Can... Who can Brad piss off into retirement? On the Canes, right? Uh, there you go. There's not a lot of old I... guys on that team right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's I mean, no. Mostly, I like how just how badly Dougie plays against Boston. Yes, he plays well against approximately every single other team, and just is calamity against Boston every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, look, I have uh, given up on my Dougie hatred. You know, excuse me. I I think the whole Tory Krug contract situation kind of. 
informs what was probably going on with Dougie in a way. So, uh, and I think that Dougie also just didn't like the Boston media. Didn't want to be here. Hard to blame him on that front. Nope. So I just decided to to really think about the Dougie thing and and just go, you know what? I'm just going to release this. I'm not pro Dougie, but I'm not like anti Dougie. So... I mean, it's I kind of fun to watch. looking forward to someone finding themselves reg- regretting paying him eight, eight and a half million over seven years this summer. <laughs> yes. It, that, oh, it'd be Carolina. He, he's. You don't. You think. You, you think so? Oh, yeah. He's well. He's adored in Carolina. Um, the the new ownership has shed a lot of money by not uh, signing Forslund to a long term deal. They're. Of course, that's their radio, uh, no, TV announcer. Um, they got, I think they have plenty of cap room. There's no one with any huge contract. I think he stays in Carolina. He likes it. So, yeah, they have, okay, uh, $27 million going cap space next year. And is there anyone besides him of note? No. Like, they don't have any goalies signed next year. Well, that's good. That means you get rid of Reimer, keep Morazic. They played Ninjakovic enough times to be able to keep that they retain his RFA rights. He didn't go yeah. at Group Six, so. <laughs> oh, but they do have to pay Svechnikov. Oh, he's RFA. He's significant. How much? How much do lacrosse players make? Maybe you can pay him that. <laughs> Twenty bucks a game. Tops? <laughs> I mean, it depends on what they're like. Their 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 trust fund pays them. Oh! 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 Wow! Okay. Um. I hate lacrosse so fucking much. Again, like I understand a lot of professional lacrosse players are actually like indigenous folks, but like every person I knew that played lacrosse were like the whitest, the the whitest fuckheads named Brock imaginable. (laughs) Well. Okay, I don't want to think too hard about the Bruins going out of this series. I want to think about this series. I just win the fucking games as quickly as you can, Bruins. I predicted it would be a seven-game series. Seems to be uh, going on that track. I mean, really, when you think about it, I think yesterday's game was the worst loss the Bruins have had this postseason. I think that's your worst loss. That means uh, you're a good team, and you're doing you're you're still in a position to win. I mean, like, isn't it their only regulation loss this postseason? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. And like, ultimately, like the Bruins didn't play that badly. They just played badly at the wrong times. They, yeah, Kevin Paul Dupont, your favorite uh, writer, Jeff. I mean, I don't know. I can't read his shit anymore. I've been blocked for like six years. I know. <laughs> for no, no uh, reason. Bruins are in the first, uh, uh, I guess, three games of the series. The Bruins were averaging 70-something shot attempts, 72, 74 shot attempts. I lost the stat already. Last night, they had 54. Oh, wow. Shot attempts, yeah. So, hmm. Bruins, I guess, tech, maybe give... Um, you know, props to the Islanders, uh, maybe limiting the Bruins' chances. But I think the Bruins played their worst game of the series. They lost. Big surprise. But don't worry. Tomorrow night, big thing too is um, Bruce can keep the Berger- Bergeron away from Pajot. It seems to be a problem. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they'll have last change. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, it, look, the Bruins can still win this series. I I'm, I still think they will, but like, <sighs> it's going to be a slog. And you know, the benefit they have is like if they can take home field home ice advantage, if they can they can they can win it in seven. If they can, if they can reverse every, if they can win tomorrow night and Wednesday night, well, then they're done, right? That'll be great. It's also the last kind of this kind of team that's in the playoffs, with like the exception of Winnipeg. But like, I don't think we need to worry about Winnipeg. <laughs> no, um, Winnipeg's not even worrying about Winnipeg now. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah. What the fuck was Mark Schiefer thinking there? <laughs> I don't know, but it was really scary. It was a, a very scary hit to see and unnecessary. Uh, why? Why would you hit the guy? The puck was already in the net. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, the game state's a big part of why. Like, the puck was in the net, and it was an empty net hit during an empty net situation. But like, you're better than that, Shifley. You're better than that. Well, and it's just like that's why the league actually threw the book at him during the playoffs. You never see that unless your name's Nazem Kadri. Um, Do you think that Kadri will get himself suspended again <laughs> in this playoffs? I doubt I, it. I, I wouldn't rule it out. I yeah. feel bad. I feel bad. I don't want to root against him. I, but man. The guy does himself no favors on the ice, huh? Well, this year, him keep doing this, you know what's going to happen? He's, I mean, even if he's still playing well, well when his contract runs, he's kind of cost himself millions of dollars for this exact reason. Yeah. They can't count on him. They can't yeah. count on him to, to be reasonable and level-headed, especially in the, in the playoffs. Um, and that is bad. Obviously. All right. All right. I think... I think it's time to talk about the schedule of the upcoming week and wrap things up. Okay. Well, um, this week we have uh, up to three games, at least two. Yes. Um, starting at uh, tomorrow night, seven at uh, six thirty Eastern mm-hmm. at the Garden on on a Monday. Uh, because there's a game that's going to be happening after that. It's an NBC thing. It's not a. Yeah. You know, or it's a, uh, hey, Jeff, don't you liked the 630 start time? Remember what happened? Hey, hey, I'm not, I'm not falling for this again. I am not getting excited because I ended up with double overtime that time. And that sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the early start time, which means I hopefully earlier end time. I know. I know, I know. This, I, this, this is why I tell you, don't get too excited about this show. Um, I'm uh, traveling 40 minutes to watch the game with my parents. Tomorrow. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so then, um, follow that up on Wednesday at the Mausoleum. The time is not yet announced. So those two games are guaranteed to happen right now. Um, and then, of course, if necessary, and let's face it, there will be a Game 7 Um, on Friday the 11th in Boston at the Garden time to be announced because of course the game is is not yet guaranteed (laughs) I will look forward to watching that if it happens from Newport, Rhode Island my my hometown I don't know I'm saying it that way I'll be watching 
hopefully, like, hopefully the Bruins just wrap. I would love to be wrong and the Bruins win the next two games. I would love to be wrong. Yeah. Um, but if it goes game seven, I'll probably be watching it from a rink somewhere in Raleigh. All right. Yeah. So, Jeff, I think we can do the thing. Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. You can follow us on Twitter at Barely on Topic or on Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast. And then, of course, there's always our individual Twitter accounts. I am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Nick Baggio. And I am, please, Brendan Carlo, come back. Dot org. Also known as that VA. I should have said dot, dot edu, but you know. Oh, yeah, we like education. We like education. <laughs> dot biz. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like biz. I'm a big fan. Oh, of they're this. usually like like of of they're usually suspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of education and business. Do you know what those are? Um, <laughs> occupations? 